0: And so, this morning, we are looking at the gory story, First Samuel chapter 17. Everybody probably has heard about David and Goliath. I'm sure you would agree with me that to live life is to face challenges, yep. And so you never know what the day is going to bring. You never know what the day is going to bring here. Some challenges, you know, they're minor, they're inconsequential, they're, you know, they just put a little dent in your armor there, you know, has limited impact on our lives. But then, you know, there's those other challenges that are monsters. You know what I'm talking about there? They wipe you out. And so they blow you up and tears come to your, to your eyes and anxiety to your heart. And there's those things that just cause you aggravation and irritation and exasperation and frustration. And you just want to be done with them. And so those overwhelming challenges in our lives here that we talk about facing at giant, right? You know, so we're going to see that in first chapter, uh, first Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to unpack this 3,000 year old, well known story here. And, uh, and perhaps that's where we get our imagery about facing a giant sized situation here. So you know the story there. Uh, so you have there in the valley of Elah. In fact, this is it right here. This is a picture of the valley of Elah. Uh, if you want to put that up there. So that, that riverbed there is where David would have grabbed his five smooth stones there. You can see the, uh, the elevation there of the mountainside there. So right in the middle there is where David, this is the area exactly where David and Goliath would have fought there. They've done recent archeological studies, uh, uh, that have demonstrated this anyway. Uh, so you have on, on the Valley of Elah. You have on one side the Philistines encamped there, and then on the other side you have the children of Israel encamped there. So for forty days and forty nights, uh, they're just kind of in gridlock there. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story here in just a moment uh, in the Valley of Elah. And so what we're going to do this morning, though, is we're going to answer three questions. First question is, how do you identify giants in your life? Like we, we all have giants, but how do you really identify them? The second question that we're going to answer is this, is once you identify a giant, how do you approach a giant? And then the third question is this, if we're going to win over giants, how do we do that? First Samuel chapter 17 beginning in verse 1 says this, we're going to be reading a lot of verses this morning reading from the New Living Translation. The scriptures are up on the screens in your notes or on your smartphone or old school in your Bible. So uh First Samuel chapter 17 verse 1. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Succah and Judah and Azekah at Ephraim's Damim. And Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the Valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills and the valley between them. And so this is uh, verse 4. Then Goliath, a Philistine from champion from Gath, came out of Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel And he was over nine feet tall. So he was like an NBA coach's dream. This guy here, what a specimen, you know, so he can dunk flat footed. And so, but what a name, Goliath from Gath. Sounds like a freak show, you know what I'm talking about? And so, but in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, we read there that from Gath produced giants. There was giantism there. And if you study medical science and all, you see that over the, over the generations of centuries, that there has been giants. And it's part of culture. It's like, if you're new to church, like, oh, you know what? I don't think there could be a, a nine-foot person. Well, you know what? They're in our culture. They're in America. And so I just thought I'd show you just for fun. Here's a nine-footer that we had in America named Robert Wadlow. You know, then there's Andre the Giant. Some of you have heard of Andre the Giant, you know? And uh, he was a beast, too. So uh, just uh, this, this huge person. And so interesting, they have... Uh, hyper uh, hyperproduction of human growth hormone and different ailments of the pituitary gland there, acromegaly with him, uh, and then uh, uh, hyper uh with Robert Wadlow. But anyway, but the point is there's giants, okay, that there are giants, and they are legit here, and Goliath here is a legit giant. And then it talks about his armor here that is described, verse 5. He wore a bronze helmet. Uh, a bronze coat that weighed 125 pounds. And interesting here, interesting that from Gath they were idolaters and they worshipped the fish god of Dagon. And so all of Goliath's armor were like fish scales representing the god of Dagon there. And so verse 6, and he wore a bronze armor uh, over his legs there and he carried a bronze javelin over his shoulder. So you know, you see he's got this full metal, head to toe, covering, body shield there, about 200 pounds of metal covering him. So he seems invincible, you know, uh, uh, like you can never win over Goliath. And, you know, I think when we're starting to talk about how do you like identify what's a giant in your life, giants seem formidable, you know, giants seem indestructible. Giants seem overwhelming and unconquerable, like you could never win over them. And so they just seem invincible, and that's how it was with him. So he's clad from from head to toe with bronze there, because that's what they produced there in Gath. They were experts with, uh, with, with bronze metal. So verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted a cross to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called, I'm the Philistine champion. And watch, and you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. And so ancient uh, war culture was like this. Rather than uh, having excessive bloodshed, they would minimize the potential bloodshed. And so what they would do then is they would pick one representative from both sides That's what they, what they did in these days. And so, uh, so they would have one from Philistine, one from Israel here. You take your best representative there. Uh, What happened then is then victory would be imputed to the entire army. And so it was victory by imputation. Kind of like what Jesus has done for us. So verse nine. Goliath says, if he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, then we will be your slaves there. So the point of that is it just pick one. Okay. And so that way victory will be imputed to the whole army there. It's victory by imputation. And so then the giant makes his appearance before Israel. And he says this, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And so how do you know then? How do you know? First question, how do you know when you're facing a giant here? I think the obvious thing is by its effect on you. Now think about that. It's by its effect on you. What I mean by that in your notes here is that giants, they have a way that they're intimidating, okay? And they have a way of beating you down. And that's what Goliath was doing here. They make you feel insignificant. They demoralize you. They they can terrorize you. And so the people there of Israel are living under this umbrella of intimidation because of the taunting of Goliath there. And so what happens is you live in fear. You live in fear of giants. And as I'm talking, you know, I'd like you to be thinking about perhaps maybe you're the giant that you're facing here. So Israel is facing a giant, and so are we. We're not David in the story, but situations in our life are beating us down here, scaring us to death and defeating us here. And so, uh, and you remember last week, Saul, Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else. And so that's insightful as we read the next verse, verse 11 here, the big leader, right? Uh says this, and when Saul and the Israelites heard this, the taunting of Goliath, they were terrified and deeply shaken. And so... Uh, so fear is ruling the day here. So what is a giant? A giant really is like a person, a problem, a situation, could be a place, a thought that looms so large in your life that it intimidates you and instills fear. Uh, the common thread among uh, 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 giants in our lives is it, it controls you. Wants to control, he wants to control your emotions. Notice that the giant's on the offense and they're on the defense. When you have a, when you have a giant in your life, you're always feeling like you're, you're, you're unsettled, you know, and you kind of feel like you're always on the defense there. And so giants come in all different types of shapes and sizes and you know, you have medical giants, you have giants on your job, giants at school, giants in the home. Giants in your family or your extended family. Oh my goodness, we could talk about that. You have, come on somebody, you have emotional giants. Gotta hold that, hold it back, Rod, hold it back. So we have financial giants, we have giants of addiction and porn and sexual, you know, and, and greed and circumstantial giants there, you know. And so they all have one thing in common though. They want to own you. They want to own your world. They want to dictate to you your well-being. They want they loom large here. They not only intimidate you, but they can paralyze you. So that you're not able to like really function, you know, normally. And this is what was happening there. And so I like you to take a moment here and just have you pause and think about that. If you were to write that down, you know, what is the giant that you're facing here? The thing you're going to see about them, too, in the next verse, verse 16, is giants appear before you with amazing regularity. Anybody know what I'm talking about? With amazing regularity. Look at verse 16. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted, you know, the arrogance, and he says, strutted in front of the Israelite army there. And so, you know you're facing a giant when it shows up in the morning and it won't leave you alone at night. You wake up in the morning, and there it is. At nighttime, see, it's attacking you all the time. Forty days, the Bible says, evening and day. The giant is showing up there. And so day in, day out. See, giants tend to be overwhelming. Uh, they just keep coming. That is the nature of giants there. In your notes there, it says giants, they don't go away. They don't go away here. We bump into the same obstacles over and over again. Verse 24. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fear there. See, they put you on the defensive. They're frightening there. And so so what are going to be the incentives, whoever's going to fight this giant? Verse 25 says, have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him, and he will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes for a year. A little IRS incentive. I'm thinking about signing up, you know? That's sounding pretty good there. And so, but, uh, what I'd like us to see here in the next verse is this, is that David saw the giant from a completely different perspective than everyone else. And if we are going to learn how to to negotiate and win over giants, we are going to have to do the very same thing. Our perspective must change. So look at this verse 26. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done to this man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Now watch this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David sees the giant completely different than everyone else sees the giant. What does everyone else see? What does Saul see? The big king see? A nine foot beast there, clad in, you know, in armor. What does David see? No mention whatsoever in the entire narrative about the size of Goliath. What he sees, something completely different, an uncircumcised Philistine. And this is very insightful for us because, see, David saw Goliath from God's perspective, not just from a, from a human perspective there. Uncircumcised means you're a stranger to God. That means that you're the enemy of God. And so many of us, we have these loud mouth, uncircumcised Philistines in our lives that taunt us and belittle us and insult us, whether in a physical sense or or in our minds there. But David sees the Philistine completely different. He says, you know what? He's uncircumcised. He's not going to have the final say-so over our world here. And so if all you see is what you see you're not going to see all that there is to be seen. And that's the problem with how we deal with giants. We don't see everything that there is to be seen. Now, notice that the the, uh, the children of Israel and Saul, they are so impressed, they're so impressed and intimidated by Goliath. David was not. If we're going to win over giants, we have to learn to be like David in the story here. And so David's not impressed like everyone else here. Goliath physically, of course, he's impressive there. Nine feet tall, but David is not impressed here. And so now David sees the default in, in, in the Goliath there, a spiritual default. And so uh, nothing is ever said about his size because he's uncircumcised. So I want to unpack this a little bit here. He says, Who is this? uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, he doesn't belong to God. This guy's a bum here. He's not under the covenant. He's not under the covering. Goliath was not under the under the covenant, so he's not under the covering. That means the guy is exposed. He's uncircumcised. And so he says, look, he's not a part of the people that belong to God here. This is what David is doing, and this is what we must do. David is different in that he sees the giant through different eyes. Okay, Not just the physical, not to minimize the physical of of what we deal with there, not to minimize that, but he adds to that. He sees it through spiritual eyes. This is God's issue and not merely my issue. He's not just so impressed with nine feet tall and 500 pounds and his armor and all that. He sees more than that here. David says... I see somebody uncircumcised. That means he doesn't, that God is not on his side here. That means he doesn't have divine help there. That means the boy's in trouble is what that means. Just, who's going to deal with this uncircumcised Philistine? Sign me up, coach, cause, uh, uh, King, cause I want to do that. Here's my question to you. Have you developed a spiritual perspective in looking at giants there. David looked at this through spiritual eyes. And so uh, this is God's issue and not merely his issue. I think sometimes we look at our giants, we think this is just my issue. No, if we're going to win over giants like David did, you've got to recognize if you're a Christ follower, this is God's issue, not just your issue here. In your notes, the closer that you are to God, the less intimidated that you are by giants. The closer you are to God, the less intimidated that you are by giants. You see, uh, faith enables us to see beyond the externals. Okay, uh, as we draw closer to God, um, you know, let the eyes of, of our, our our hearts be fixed upon the author and the finisher of our faith, the Bible says in Hebrews. And so to conquer giants, we've got to be like David it has the the right perspective. Verse thirty-one, continuing. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and he sent, uh, and the king sent for him. And so again, Saul stands head and shoulders above all the people. He, and that's one of the reasons why he was chosen to be king. He was such a such a physical specimen. Uh, such a uh, uh, he draws so much attention to him by his physical presence here. Okay, but he wasn't big enough to fight Goliath. There's a side here in leadership, but he wasn't big enough to fight Goliath. Verse 32. So David said to Saul, hey, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Also insightful for giants because see what they do? They cause you to lose heart. Let no one lose heart. Giants cause you to lose heart. You get discouraged. You get overwhelmed by them. Verse 33. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's like been a fighting machine since his youth. The only person, the only person that is willing to fight Goliath is the little boy that, well, he's a teenager, that has the right perspective. Okay. And so the king says, you know, this is ridiculous. Like you're a kid. Like, what are you thinking here? But watch. The Shepherd is adamant he 's Adamant here, and we have to be adamant if we 're going to win over giants that 's why you don't win be- thats if, if you if you were if we were more adamant, there would be more victory, and that 's why the, the, the Giants are still there and so verse thirty seven he 's adamant he says the Lord." who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine fall silent, finally consent. Okay, go ahead. He said, and may the Lord be with you because, Hey, I'm not going to be with you. And, uh, you know, uh, none of your brothers are going to be with you. So, you know, you've got friends like that. Hey, God bless you, you know, but I ain't going to be there. You know? So that was Saul there. And so, uh, but watch, but watch, David is centered. He's centered in truth. And he's centered in the Lord here. And David looks to God, you know, looks to God to win the fight. He says, look, I have a history, king. You don't think I can do this, but you know what? One day, king, there was a lion, and I grabbed him. You know, maybe shot him with a sling, you know. He uh, says, but I killed him. And then there was a, you know, uh, a bear. You know, he's like a super size, uh you know, uh, he's like super size there. And I did the same thing with him. And king, the uncircumcised Philistine, he's going to be like one of them. He says, king... King, he's going to flatline. King, I'm telling you, he's going to flatline. We're going to win here, so he's confident. He has confidence there, and so David says, uh, "I know you don't understand, King, but uh, but I've been doing this for a long time. When no one was looking, King, you know, uh, just out there on the hillsides, I have done this. I have a history here, and Goliath, King, is going to bite the dust. Okay, he's going to bite the dust. So, uh, so continuing there. He says, uh, verse 38, Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, uh, and and his coat there of armor there. So he gives him this elaborate, fancy, you know, armor. And I just wonder if Saul always had to look good, you know, I wonder if Saul wanted to look good, you know, in front of the people. And, you know, maybe if, you know, if David, you know, perhaps a miracle, something happens and he wins, you know, it'll be because of my armor, you know, David's looking at the, you know, the armor there. And, uh, and so he kind of, he, he obliges, you know, and he's like size, you know, 32, you know, short and, uh, and, and Saul's like size 56 long, you know? And so I was like, this isn't going to work here. And so David puts it on verse 39, straps his sword over it, took a step or two. He's like, forget about it. And, uh, and so he said, I can't go in these. He protest- protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. And David took them off again. So David then realized that the key to victory over giants was just not in the physical realm. Was not just in the physical realm. You know, uh, in the physical realm, he didn't have mobility there. But he respectfully declines. And he says this. He says, king. Your method cannot be my method. The Bible says in the New Testament, you gotta work out your salvation, your own salvation, with fear and trembling. He's working this thing out here. But King, but but how you do how you do war, King, is not how I'm gonna do war. And so uh so they were thinking, cause, uh, cause there was uh, uh in uh in ancient warfare you had those that did hand-to-hand combat. That's what this was for. And then you had those that, the in chariots, you know. Uh, and so, but then you had uh, the most devastating of all, the most devastating of all was the archers. And even more than them was the slingers. See, David didn't have some little toy. He didn't have a slingshot. That's not what he had there. David was one of the greatest slingers of all of Israel. How do you think he protected his sheep? See, so, uh, it's amazing you go on, you go on YouTube and you, and you, and you can look at modern slingers. They throw these things like they, there's two pieces of leather with a leather pouch. And archaeological studies have shown that these rocks here, they've uncovered a lot of them just the last couple of years, that they're uh, like the size of a tennis ball. Size of a tennis ball. And, uh, they like weigh a pound. And they could throw these things like a hundred miles an hour. They could kill things up to 200 yards. They would shatter bones. Uh, 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 medieval tapestries show them picking birds out of the sky. They, it was, it was the gun of the Old Testament. It was the 45 magnum of the Old Testament. Uh, I'm not kidding there. Uh, ballistic studies show about the same impact as a, as a 45 gun. And so, uh, when you look at it from this point of view, Goliath was like a sitting duck. I mean, he was in trouble. He's lumbering. He's got all this all this armor on, you know, and you can see why David was so confident here. Verse, verse 40, and watch this. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. He has his sling, the gun of the ancient world there. With five stones, you know why five stones? I don't know why he had five stones. Maybe who knows? Maybe if he missed, you know, he was gonna maybe it would take five tries. You know who knows? Uh, Goliath had four brothers. Maybe he was gonna take them out. You know who? You know he's gonna take out the whole basketball team. Who knows? But uh, but he took five stones there. So uh, anyway, so just interesting though to recognize that so powerful was the sling there. That Celsus, uh, a first century doctor uh, and historian said that that the projectiles would pierce through your skin, would break your bones, would would, uh, cause uh, concussions and death there. And so they were so accurate, amazingly accurate here. And so David, you got to see this, David has the expectation. Man, I've been doing this. I've got... He, that uncircumcised Philistine is gonna go down here. And so, uh, D- Goliath there, he's just heavy in, heavy infantry. That's why he says, come to me. Cause he's thinking this, this heavy, you know, face to face battle. David was never thinking that, verse 41. Goliath walked out towards David, and his shield bearer was ahead of him, sneering in contempt at the ruddy face boy. You know, he's talking trash. Just talking trash. That's what giants tend to do, you know. The voice of the giant—they just kind of, they kind of talk trash to you. And then it says here: it "Says, am I a dog? He roars at David. That's what that's what giants do to you. They roar, and and you come at me with a stick, and he cursed David by the names of his gods." Dagon, the fish god, and there's other gods there. He said, come over here. See, he wants to fight him. He's infantry. He wants to fight close. David has no such thought. He says, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, David, David yelled. Now, for an outsider, maybe got binoculars looking from far away. It looks here like David's gonna get swallowed up. Verse 45. David replied to the Philistine. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. Watch. You want to know how you win? But I come to you, not just as me. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And it's interesting here that there's all these different names for God here in the Hebrew language. And so David is so grounded in truth here. And he realized that the battle is not between me and you, the giant, but between me, uh, you and God here. And so David saw this as a spiritual battle. He's like, you think you're better than my God here? So David uses God's name. He says, I come to you in the name in the name here. And interesting, like, all these names of God here. He doesn't use, you know, like, creator God, Elohim, or God provider, Jehovah Jireh, or Adonai, boss here, or, or He uses the name Jehovah uh, Saba, which means God, the Lord who oversees the army. He says, you are coming up against a God who oversees the complete army here. And he says, today, watch, watch how grounded he is here. Today, the Lord is going to conquer you. And I will kill you after you're conquered by the Lord. I come in and do the, the cleanup work. I will kill you and cut your head off. and see, that's why we read the Old Testament. Come on, somebody. That's why it's just, it's just, it's better than MMA, you know? I will cut your head off. So David doesn't say, you know what? I'm going to conquer you. David says, it's the Lord that's going to conquer you. And I think we lose against giants because when we think I've got to conquer this thing, you would have already conquered it if that was the, that was the, the best method. So you have to get engage God here, the Lord, in the, in, the, in the equation here. So see what David did. He delivers the battle to somebody else. And so in your notes there, David engaged God and he kept God between him and the giant. So friends here, I'm just inviting you to engage God. Maybe it's like, oh, I already knew that. Do it at another level. Do it at a whole nother level there. So do we keep God between us and our every situation here? The Lord will conquer. He doesn't say, you know what? All his skill, one of the most skilled slingers, been doing this, you know, killing animals and protecting the, the sheep and all. And he's skilled at it. He doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to conquer you. Even though he had all that skill, the Lord is going to conquer you. See where his trust was. And so um, we have to be like David here and get a, a giant between us, you know, and the bully there. There's a story of a of a ninth grader here and a and, uh, true story. And he would just get bullied, 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 bullied every day. And the boy would go to school, and the boy would just get bullied every day, losing his lunch money. And uh, and the little ninth grader was me. And so, and this twelfth grader would come up to me every day. And, uh, and he would just, he wouldn't even say hi. You know what he would do? He'd just say, he'd greet me this way every day. This is my ninth grade greeting. Rabbit ears. You know what that means? Rabbit ears means you go like this. So I'm a little ninth grader. Every day I go like this. I'm not kidding. This is is serious. Rabbit ears every day. You know what that means? You do rabbit ears. You lose your money. All your money comes out of your pocket. So every day... This guy that was just, I would be thinking about it, going to school, crumb, I'm going to not eat lunch again, rabbit ears, you know, and, and I'd see him come and I like, I just dread it every day. And he's looming large to me. He's undefeatable there. You know, I thought I'd run. He's on the track team. I can't outrun him, you know. And so, uh, so, uh, so what am I going to do in this situation here? You know, well, I have this friend, I was about 115 pounds. I had this friend that went about 280. His name was Mark Leffler. And Mark Leffler loomed large, you know. So he was my buddy on the football team there. And so no one would, you, you would, full beard, you know, ninth grade, he was that guy, you know. I'm not kidding. He was a beast, you know. A full beard, you know. And so you wouldn't mess with laugh, You would be a pancake if you messed with, with him. And so I see the guy coming. I say, Hey, Hey, Leffler, 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 see that guy right there here? Take my lunch money and uh, you protect me from that guy. And uh, so I kind of stood behind Leffler and, uh, he go, he goes rabbit ears. And I said, Leffler's got my money game over game over. I never saw the guy again. That was it. But here's the point. Here's the point. Uh, it only took me, you know, weeks to figure that out. But, um, You know, so did I have a fight with him? No, I never, I never fought him. No way. So I engaged Leffler. I kept Leffler between me and what is becoming a giant to me. That's what David did. He said, the Lord is going to, is going to destroy you here. And so when the problem looks large, look to build something into your life, the Lord there that will help you. And so, In your notes there, David overlooked the problem, or he looked at the problem through spiritual eyes. He engaged the Almighty. He engaged the Almighty. See, you win over giants when you keep Jesus between you and the problem. You invite God, invite the Almighty into the equation here. And so, you understand the spiritual nature of the situation. And so, we've talked about how to identify, you know, Giants, there they loom large. They intimidate you in every way. Uh, we've talked about the approach, you know, to giants. You know, keeping the Lord between you and what is a giant to you. Well, I just like to kind of close here with a couple of thoughts on how do we defeat giants? Verse forty-eight. As Goliath moved closer to attack. David ran quickly out to meet him. I mean, he's ready to fight, right? The guy's ready to get it on, okay? He's ready to fight, ready to rumble, ready to get it on. He hits Goliath and he falls face to the ground. And David the shepherd, okay, hits him in his most vulnerable spot there, verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. He didn't have any of the big stuff that the Philistine had, verse 51. Then he ran over. And pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath and he used it to kill him and to cut off his head. So he pulls, he pulls the sword from its sheath there. And you know what? I just, I could only imagine there. Is he, uh, you know, all his brothers had doubted him, everything. I just wonder, you know, if he gave a little look, you know, to Eliab and all the big brothers. You know, you didn't think I could do this. Or all the Israelites or Saul, you know, hey, Saul, there's Goliath. I just wonder, you know, I don't know. I just wonder. But then he took it and off with his head. And then uh, the Philistines, you know, they're running and everything. And then David, I know it's gory and grisly, but he pulls, he takes his head And he carries his head back to Jerusalem. Watch verse 54. One last verse and we close. And David took the Philistines head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armor in his own tent. So what he does here is he kills Goliath. Philistines are running for their lives there. They lose. Then he takes the head, the head of the Philistine there, the giant, and he deposits it to the priest there in Jerusalem. And so now we have Goliath's head on display. Imagine this, it's like a trophy case. And why would they do that? But to remind future fools that if another fool from Gath shows up, you're going to be like him if you come against me and you come against our God here. Your head will be next to that head there. And so it was a visual reminder, a visual reminder there of what happened to Goliath could soon happen to you. Now think about this here, but what it says, the other thing he does is he takes his armor. I know that, that, if that meant his javelin, his spear, sword, and, and his actual armor, but whatever, he took that. Okay. Imagine this. And he puts it in his house. He puts it in his house. So every day he gets up, He's having his Cheerios or whatever. He's looking at the armor. Imagine that every day eating his Cheerios. There he is looking at the armor of Goliath. Why would every day he need to look at the armor? What was he building into his life? Perhaps that the Lord gives victory. And the same Lord that gave me victory over that Goliath will give me victory over the next giant. You see, He remembered the armor reminded Him. The sword reminded Him. And sometimes we need to be reminded. Remember when you face a future giant, you remember how God has come through for you in the past. And you hang on to those victories. Perhaps you mount a Goliath head on your mantle. I'm just joking. I'm just having fun this morning. So, but but you have reminders. And so, over the years, where I would my my office, my study, I would have reminders there. And some of the reminders were stones, stones, rocks of remembrance at my desk that I would sit at, you know, every day for years and years and years, and prepare messages that I would give to you. And so one of my reminders, I'd have things, uh, th- sayings, and things that people have, have given to me, and, uh, and pictures, and all. And I have rocks there, uh, in there, rocks of remembrance, and they, they were precious to me, what they reminded me. So one of the ways you have victory is you remember that the Lord that helped you in the past, he will help you in the future. Right on the power of remembering victories of the past. And so I have some final conclusions in your notes. Remind yourself that God bring, brings victory over giants and don't supersize Goliath. You need to supersize God. In other words, put your eyes, your affections upon the author and the finisher of your faith. And lastly, I hope you know the title of the message is rethinking Goliath. Why are we rethinking Goliath? Because they intimidate us. Watch. But the giants are not always as powerful as they appear. He was a sitting duck before David. He didn't stand a chance before the skilled slinger. So anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a great story from 3,000 years ago that is full of timeless truth for us today as we face our giants. So Father, I pray for everyone here that... By your grace, um, if there's any doubt that you would help them to us, me, identify, maybe we don't even recognize some giants, but help us to identify them, Lord. Help us to approach them like David, Lord, help us to win, Lord, we, we recognize that we are frail, and we are weak, and we need you. And we need you, the Lord, to fight our battles. So, Father, I pray that by a work of your Spirit, that we would re-engage you, we would walk with you closely, we would see our battles and see our giants as you see them. And so we ask you, Father, to come now, come near to the brokenhearted, come near to us, and help us, we ask